Luke chapter 2. And while you're doing that, so my wife and I and the kids, we all live actually very close to Wild Waves. And who's ever gone to Wild Waves? Who's grown up going to Wild Waves? Who knows about the cannonball? The cannonball, some of you don't know about that. The cannonball is one that's one of those old slides made. It was like one of the original slides there. You go down a thin little tube, and it shoots you out about 10 feet above the water. And if you've gone, gone a few times, you know real quick there's a trick to it. The trick is always keep one foot down as, after you go out of the tube. That way you don't do a backflop. Because you do a backflop, you remember it hurts. And so my daughters are getting older. They wanted to go on the cannonball. And I thought, it's been a few years. I, I can still do this. So I went on the cannonball t- first, and they, of course, wanted me to go on it, you know. And I remember my own trick about after you go to the tube, you put one foot down so your foot breaks the water so it doesn't hurt your back. But things have changed over the years, and apparently there is more pressure uh, above the belt to push me down that <laughs> the foot never touched the water. <laughs> it, it will touch it eventually, but it got broke by my back. <laughs> and it came out of the water going... Oh, my back, my lower back. And I'm like, okay, so Cannonball is now off the list of things at Wild Waves. But I, I love to have fun. I love to have fun with my kids. And uh, it was a little humbling to, to admit, boy, that was, that was a little hard on me. So, <laughs> so well, uh, Pastor Jeff does a series a lot of times when he's gone. He says, hey, continue the series. Um, this week you're going to be doing this. And it's great, because I can usually speak on just about anything. Just give me some time, and I uh, pray about it, get some passion for whatever it is. And this time, Jeff says, I'm ending the, service, uh, the series, so you can just preach on whatever's on your heart. So I started thinking, what's, what's on my heart? And I kept noticing a, a trend in my life, and it was the word peace. I found myself praying for peace for people. I knew people and friends that were in a financial hardship. And I prayed for God's peace. I prayed that God would give them peace through that time, that God would answer their financial needs. Also, uh, health situations, praying for peace. There's some things we control and there's some things we cannot control, but there's something powerful about the peace of God that no matter what you're going through, He will be there with you. Then also, tensions in the workplace. Uh, my, my work can be kind of tense sometimes, and the boss is gone for three and a half weeks, and so the, the, the second guy in charge is quite stressed about that. And he's worried about not having enough staffing. And, and it caused a lot of tension. I found myself praying for peace. Can you guys relate to that? A need for peace in your life? Seeing tension wherever you look? So when I say peace, what do you think of? If I was asked, what is the opposite of peace, what is it? War, yeah. Now what if I change up just a little bit, but actually before I forget there, you know, there'd be... It could be war not just between nations, which we're always concerned about, but there could be wars between family members. You get to Thanksgiving, you're just hoping no one brings up politics because there are big feudal breakout. There are coworkers that no matter what you do, that's never right. I had a coworker that was very difficult that I could do nothing right. It's really tense. There's a war, this unspoken war going on. I also had a boss right after him. I could do almost nothing wrong, so it was, it was an answer to prayer to have a new boss. <laughs> Neighbors. Um, I have just recently on our cul-de-sac, we have one neighbor uh, uh, that tends to have fights with 
just about everybody in the cul-de-sac, everybody's been hit at least once, you know. And uh, this, there was a time just recently where I saw the, there was actually a sheriff's car and they left and I went and talked to the neighbors and said, hey, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, well, there's a dispute about a property line. I thought my property line is two feet over and she had some choice words about that. So after talking to him, I encouraged him. I said, you know, let, let just don't do anything for now. Wait, let things cool down. And maybe in a few weeks, you can talk to her and say, I'm not here to put any fence up, but let's talk. What can we do to make peace? What can we do for this? How can, how can we resolve this? And uh, he said, okay. And I said, I also said, I'll be praying for you. And uh, he later on, a few weeks later, he actually put a fence up, and there was still more tension. <laughs> he went and did it anyways. And uh, so the... Uh, it, so anyways, there was, next thing I know, there is a surveyor in the yard and, you know, and checking the lines now because he didn't want to pay for a surveyor before, originally because it's very expensive. This is all for a front line, front yard fence. This is what's going on in my cul-de-sac, okay? And a long story short, I, I, I saw the surveyor and I, so I saw him again. I'd say, hey, what's going on? He goes, he's, he's like, hey, James, I thought you said you'd be praying for me. I said, I am. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, well, her father-in-law is a surveyor. She got the, got the surveyor out, and it turns out I'm wrong. It's actually, it's, I have got more property than I thought, but not as much as I thought. So I said, well, no, this is actually a good thing. This actually could be an answer to prayer, because you didn't have to pay her for a surveyor. She has no arguments now, because her own father-in-law has told her, here's the actual property line. So sometimes when we want peace, it comes, but it's not always what we expect. And uh, sometimes... Peace isn't always smooth. You might have uh, schools out, but during school, there's sometimes a stress of different classmates. So that's the opposite of peace is war. But what if I ask, what is the opposite of being at peace? Well, for me, a different list comes up. The opposite of being at peace is having stress, which is very common for us. Anxiety, worry about what's to come up ahead, worry about finances, fear, I don't know what's coming around the corner, doubt, I don't know if I got the goods to get this next job done. So then I chose the, the text, Luke chapter 2, 14, and it's kind of weird, this is a Christmas text, and I thought, you know, I can't even make a joke that it's Christmas in July because we're in August, but and it's sometimes actually good to take a Christmas text out of Christmas because then we can know how to think about Christmas lights and nativity scenes. It is about nativity scene, but you know what I'm saying. So let's just read along here. Read with me here. You read silently, I will read out loud because it'd be really awkward if we all read together. Luke 2:14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. He's called the Savior, Messiah. Now, to any Jewish person in the first century, this would have been big news. For centuries, the Jewish people needed a Savior. They had their own country years ago, but because of their sin, their country got destroyed, got separated into two parts, and they were exiled, actually taken over by other countries. 
And they were literally slaves for years. And then by the grace of God, little by little, they were allowed to come back to their homeland. And so little by little, the Jewish people came back to their land, but no longer in control of it. There was someone always in control. And at this time, it was the Romans. So if you can imagine your own house, you have your house, but you have no control. Someone's bought it, and now you're stuck, and you have to follow their rules. And you have to pay them, even if you don't want to. That's what they were dealing with. And they said, we need a savior. We want someone like King David to come along and free us of the Romans, that we could be our own nation again. We need a savior. And God promised them a savior. But they kind of missed it a little bit, and I'll, I'll explain why. Verse 13, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those who whom his favor rests. First things first. The angels, said, the, the angels proclaim, glory to God. You first put, no matter what worry you're dealing with, what stress you're dealing with, put God first. If I'm honest with you, usually he comes last. Usually I try everything else on my own. And then when nothing else is working, I find myself on my knees praying, God, help me in this situation. Help me, I need peace in this circumstance. Work is getting stressful. I've got a fight with this person over here. The neighbors are arguing again. Put God first. Recognize his place in your life. Restore him to the place where he should be. The song we just sang said, you're my, I can't remember the right words, basically, you're my everything. It says, peace to those whose favor rests. It doesn't mean all. It doesn't mean that God's not willing to make peace for everybody. But it's available to all. But they have to choose. John 3.16 is a famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, there's the key word, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's a choice. Also, Romans 3.22 and 23 the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. To all who believe. Once again, there's a call to choice. You can have that peace if you choose for it. So back to the history of Israel. They hear about a Savior, a Messiah coming. They wanted a leader like King David. But God wanted something more for them. He didn't want just peace between neighbors and countries. He wanted peace with himself. Because God went back to the Garden of Eden. Because that's when there was a division. That's when there was a separation. They had forgotten that God had made Israel, the nation of Israel, for a way for the Savior to come. They were part of that big plan. But all throughout Scripture, talking about Savior, God's talking about the redemption of their souls because of their sin. Jesus, the Son, being that perfect sacrifice, became a bridge to unite us to God, the Father. So if we want peace in our lives, there's things that we need to do. First of all, Put God first. 
we are at peace with God, we'll see God work in other parts of our life as well. Coming to Christ, most of us, it's, it's a process. I don't know, if, uh, for me, I grew up in the church, uh, but I was about eight years old. It wasn't at my church that I got saved. I actually went to a, like a vacation Bible school, but I was actually in someone's house. There's about maybe five, eight of us there. And I remember the person talking about this and talking about if you give your life to Jesus, there's a cost. You're giving your life to him. But what you're getting is so much more. And I remember my heart pounding, going, realizing what I was about to commit to. And I remember praying. But for years, I'd heard the mission. I'd heard the message about who Jesus was, that he died for me. And even when I was eight-year-old, I really didn't understand fully what the gospel was about. But from what I understood, I accepted it. Are you challenged by the message that God has given you? Are you challenged that if you give your life to him, there will be some changes going on, but the reward is huge? You might have asked yourself, is this message true? Am I really a sinner? Do I need a savior? If you're not there, I, I encourage you, just keep trying. Keep searching out God. He'll show himself to be true to you. But at some point, there'll be a decision to be made. And once you've made that decision, it's by faith in Jesus Christ that you are saved. It's not by your works. So first step for having peace is making God first in your life. Give your life to him. Also, you know, Jesus, uh, Jeff likes to talk about, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't want to screw up his message, screw it up, but he says, God accepts us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Isn't that great? Isn't that great that a guy can look at James Toady and say, I love you, but boy, we need to work on some areas here. And his goal is making me look more like him. That's basically, the term is called sanctification. That's exciting. But there are times when God will bring things up that I need to ask for forgiveness. Because if I don't ask for forgiveness, it breaks the separation from me and God. You may be looking at your heart right now saying, there's things in my life I know I need to confess. Maybe just to you and God. Maybe you need to grab a friend and say, I need some prayer. There are some things I've let slide into my life. There are some things that I've let go and I've thought it's just okay. And at some time, we have to deal with it. And once we've done those things, then we can focus on other people. Should we even desire peace? Does it seem like there's some people in your life that don't want peace around them? They love to stir up the pot, love to stir up trouble, love to gossip about other people. And sometimes you're around them, and sometimes it can bring you down, or you find yourself kind of falling a, a part of it. There may be a family member who loves to, to tell all the awful things about someone else in their family member, which tears them down and builds them up. Maybe we're all a little guilty of that ourselves. So first thing about peace is we have to desire it. We just should desire it because God desires it. And Romans 12, 17, 18 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That may mean for certain people you don't bring up certain topics. It doesn't mean you can't share your faith because that's your life. But maybe the way you express it comes out in a different way. 
maybe you can sense this person's not ready to hear this message, so I'm going to love them in different ways rather than saying, Jesus loves you, you better turn where you're going to die. Maybe it's just being patient with them. Maybe just showing love to them. Maybe buy them a coffee. I just, what's a practical way that you can show love to them? Don't let unforgiveness rule your life. There are some things you may have been hurt, and sometimes it may be justified in your own mind they should never forgive that person. There are some awful things that have happened, and I'm sure in a room like this, there's some, probably some awful stories. There's probably some things that people have done by no right to you, by no, that should have never, ever happened to you. And it breaks your heart to hear those kinds of stories. But there's something powerful when you forgive them. And it doesn't mean what they did was okay. It doesn't mean that when you forgive them, like it didn't ever happen. That's not the case. It did happen, and it hurt. But there's something powerful when you forgive them despite what they've done to you. We look at Jesus and realize what, what happened to him, and yet he still forgave them on the cross. And it's powerful. There's sometimes we forgive somebody and we find out that somehow it snuck back in our heart. We're holding a grudge against them. It's like, oh, I thought I forgave them. And here it is again. Well, then you've got to go back, ask for forgiveness again. And sometimes it's a cycle, and that's okay. It's better to go through a cycle and say, God, here I am again. I need your strength to forgive this person because I'm having a real difficult loving them. doesn't mean certain people you need to be their best friend. Some people are not safe for you to be around. You should not be around them. But when you release, when you forgive them, basically it's no longer on your heart. You can live in freedom no matter what happens with them. When we do those things, we have a changed life. It's not easy to follow Jesus. Jeff has talked about that multiple times. It's not easier to be a Christian, but I will definitely add it is most fulfilling to be a Christian. So one, when it comes to peace with people, desire it. Two, we're called to it. In Psalms 34, 14, the psalmist writes, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. There may be tensions in your life. Ask yourself, how can I make peace in this situation? Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, we were called to peace and be thankful. Interesting that that and be thankful is tagged on there. When we have a heart of thanksgiving, we definitely more have more attitude, uh, attitude adjustment for, for peace. How does that look, the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? Ask yourself, how can I display that? Third, when it comes to peace with others, God will give it to you. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus was speaking to his disciples right before the... Um, he was going to be tortured and put on the cross. And he was saying, I'm going to be going, but I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send someone who's going to give you peace. And the disciples, they've been following for two and a half years, 
following him wherever he goes. And now you're saying you're going to leave us? You've seen Jesus do amazing things. Now you're going to leave us? He says, no. I'm going to send you somebody. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. In the Jewish terms, the term peace be with you is a very common phrase. Almost like if you're saying hi to someone or you're leaving somebody. Hey, Austin, peace be with you. It's almost like our way of saying goodbye. Or if you're in Star Wars, you say, may the force be with you. Or in Star Trek, you might say, there you go, there are a few Trekkies out there. But there's no, there's no real meat to it. You might say, hey, break a leg. Good luck, right? But when Jesus says, my peace be with you, peace I leave with you, he has power to stand behind that. So when I talk about peace, I want to talk about a few things, but peace is not. Peace is not ignoring the situation, avoiding to keep initial peace. Um, in every family dynamic, there are different personalities. There's, in my family, I was a third born, and my first, my first brother is a um, wonderful guy, kind of type A, very vocal about his opinions. My second brother is a wonderful guy as well. He's also kind of the guy who initiates trouble sometimes, <laughs> kind of poking the bear kind of thing. So you can imagine my first brother babysitting us and the second brother poking, made some for entertaining sometimes. But also, um, as a third born, I found myself saying, can't we all just get along? You know, can't we have some peace here? Now for me, my struggle is sometimes I will bend over backwards for peace when sometimes things need to be worked out. That's not real peace, to ignore situations. There's sometimes, to get peace, you have to do a couple things. Sometimes it is, you need to talk to someone, confront them. Say, hey, when you said that to me, I didn't like that. Or, this is not being done, and I don't like that. Pray before you do those things. Seek it out. If you're someone who just says, I'm just going to say whatever I want to say, and that's just the way it is, well, now you need to do a check. Because we are, as believers, we're supposed to have control over our mouth. Two, peace is not, um, I, I, I tried to find a good way of writing this down, but my spell check kept on changing the word for me, so I, I guess I wasn't spelling it right. But basically, uh, purposely not forgiving. Like I was talking before about uh, holding a grudge. There's some people that you just, just, that's just the way it is. I'm not going to let that person go. And that's not peace. Third, Having peace doesn't mean that both parties are on board. There are times when I've confronted people, and it's always kind of gutsy on my part to do that, and usually there's peace to me, but you may have a situation before that you confronted someone, and maybe you did something wrong. Maybe it was, maybe it was your blunder. Yet they, didn't, they did not forgive you. They did not let it go. There's nothing you can do. But what you've done was good, because what you did was you said, okay, I am here to make peace. I am here to make things right. If they don't accept it, well, now it's on them. At least now you've, you've done right by God and by yourself. But when those situations, what do you do? Do you give up? No. You still go for peace. You pray for peace. Pray that God will work on their heart. You forgive them for not forgiving you. And you hope for peace in the future. And like the band Journey says, uh, don't stop believing. 
Have you ever heard of the famous families, the infamous Hetfields and McCoys? Did you know they, those are actually World War II rural families in Kentucky? It's about the 1870s. Um, that's kind of where the feud kind of began. But actually, one family actually was, was fought in the Civil War for the North and one fought in the South. So there's already a little bit of tension there. And one lived on one side of the river, one lived on the other side of the river. And the tension really broke out when some hogs end up on someone else's property. The McCoy says it was there, and the Hatfield says it was their pigs. So it went to court, and of course the courthouse at the time, as you can imagine this, was actually in the Hatfield's house. <laughs> and somehow, who knows, but the end result was the Hatfields got the rights to the hogs. Well, that added to more tension. The words were spread. Before you know it, I think someone might have been drunk. And one guy, one, I think it was one Hatfield, was shot. And not like modern-day guns. You got shot, you didn't automatically die. You were just in a lot of pain for a long time. And was stabbed like 26 times. Now, you have to watch a lot of CSI to know that if someone gets stabbed 26 times, there is a lot of anger there. And not too long after that, three McCoys were dead. And and the, the, the feud goes on. It went on for years. But did you know there was a resolve? Like in the 1920s, there was one person, the Hatfield, and one person, the McCoy, actually got together, shook hands, and forgave each other. I actually saw a picture of it. There may be peace down the road, even though you don't see it right away. So still hope for it. Still hope for peace. At the same time, know that when you made things right between you and God, and you've strove, striven, to make things right between you and fellow mankind, you're in the right place. I know when it comes to peace, it can be hard. I know it's what God desires. And it's interesting in that passage, when God, first it's the glory to God in the highest the heaven, then on earth, peace to those who seek it. And that's my, my own James paraphrase there. It's very closely to love, the God, love God with all that you are and love, love your neighbor as yourself. Interesting how those two parallel together. What are the results when you strive for peace? You first, you have peace with God. That's what we first need to be peace with God. You have a better chance of being at peace with others, your coworkers, your classmates, your neighbors. You know that it's what God desires. So you strive for it. You change some of your behaviors so that there is peace. You start to see God work in your life. You start to see how God makes peace and things you never thought there would be peace increases your faith. I, can't, I, I don't have the statistics to prove this, but I know it's got to increase your health. A person that is burdened and stressed doesn't live as long as someone who's free. And you're more joyful when you've had peace between you and God and fellow man. Let's pray.